Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Not in Stock, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued but easing crisis, if you believe our president and the current regulation. I am joined as always by the rector of our parish who hasn't been on for a while because he's been nursing some health issues and I'm very sorry for going longer than the two weeks break than, than we said, but we wanted the Reverend, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman back to his full capacity. How are you doing, sir? Good day to you, Lindsay, um, and to all those that are tuning in to listen to us. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit stronger. Um, I'm feeling the, you know, healing happening. Uh, I still sort of walk very slowly. I don't rush my pace. Um, I'm avoiding anything heavy, uh, whatever heavy may mean. So I don't take chances. I can lift a cup of coffee, but um, <laughs> I'm not so sure about the kettle. I'm sure I could, but, you know. Um, and I'm also learning, I'm still using the technique of how to get off the bed and not rush up when I get on because of the turning. I've got a abdominal abdominal binder around me and the plaster is still on. The wound is healing well. The outside wound and the doctor's confident of the uh, success of the operation itself. In in fact, we, he went in and I went in for the understanding that we would have to fix two uh, hernia. He discovered a third one. Oh wow! So there was three in my tummy, and uh, I'm I'm so gracious that uh, we were able to to do that. Um, and uh, I, I told you earlier on at the same time that I end up in hospital. The car ended up in the panel shop. So I'm without a car for the moment, but I'm not, about, I'm not supposed to drive. So, yeah, I'm taking this. I've eased my way back into work, although the people feel I've come back a little too early. But I was told I could do minimal, um, uh, you know, participation, and I've tried to use as much help from others as I can. So, um, so it's, I mean, today I was busy helping making the palm crosses. Mm which was a very good experience and encounter with the people uh, of fellowship and um, always the joy to teach others who are not able to remember how to make the palm cross uh, again. So we've, uh, it was a very good, I had a baptism preparation class this afternoon, so I'm refreshed from theological education, <laughs> faith teaching. So I'm doing pretty well. Thank you, Mo. You know, great, great gratitude to God and also to my family and the parish for their support. Awesome. I won't be taking it easy on you this time just because you injured or <laughs> <laughs> you were not at your full thing. We were also commiserating because my, my car is also in the shop with some expensive damage uh, to the torque converter, which is always a, a joy. But such is life and our life right now brings us to a little bit of an anniversary. It is our, our second anniversary, liturgical anniversary. Um, we're kind of coming full circle from where we started um, at the beginning of the pandemic two, min, two years ago. It feels so much longer than that. Uh, mm. um, we are closing off year C this time, which is great because um, we started year A, went through year B, and now year C, and it just feels, it feels right. Um, our actual anniversary two-year anniversary is in two weeks time i think the 21st um 
But that's just a little bit of podcast stuff. It is, of course, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday. Uh, just off air, I asked you about this. What is the what's the vibe with the split between Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday? I have also never actually made a palm cross myself. You never did. Very interesting um, how people unlearn the trick after a year and then have to relearn the trick. I, 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 whenever I did it, you know, I always wondered at our historical mothers and fathers who saw the possibility of um, t- tearing part the two, the leaf into two, and then to mm-hmm. create a, a cross by virtue of knots um, out of it. So it's, I thought this is um, it's amazing. You, you know, in the, in, the, in the story of the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, uh, as, as people call it, the victorious entry of our Lord in, um, the service actually is called commemoration of the Lord's entry into Jerusalem. Um, there wasn't crosses, it was just palm leaves and palm branches that were used. But um, it's very interesting that a cross could be invented out of out of the leaf. Yeah. And, and, and you know, from a, prom, from a palm branch, you can get how many crosses that can be made, all shapes and sizes. So and people are in... They enjoy it once they know how to do it, you know, uh, very simple, but yeah. Very. So um, Palm Palm Sunday, it's actually Palm Sunday stroke Passion Sunday. So it's the combination of the two. Um, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was an entry into his passion and death. So it was that. Um, part of him now facing the ultimate, Mm. uh, his death for us. Um, And so the two are held together, and the first part of the service, uh, which focuses on the blessing of the the palms, is celebrated in the light of the gospel that focuses on the entry, the kind of way in which, and the words that come out of this for me is this uh, acclamation when he came in, Hosanna to the son of David, um, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, which the people, you know, um, responded to him riding on a on a donkey, not necessarily a horse, yeah. which would have been um, somebody coming in as the victorious um, warrior that has um, taken over and now captures the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were giving that kind of of praise to Jesus. Um, Hosanna, I think, means hallelujah uh, to the son of David. So it was a praise song. Yeah. Uh, and then when he, they said son of David, of course, it was recall of that great king of Israel. Um, so they associated Jesus very much from the lineage of David. And, um, and more than that, he comes in the name of the Lord. So he comes in the name of someone greater than he, who he represents. Um, so this was both a spiritual, but also an ultimately political um, uh, uh, celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the reclaim of 
the city of peace and all it surrounds uh, connected to the covenant people of God. But whilst they thought of it on a national level, that national level was inclusive of what Jesus was going to do for the whole world. Yeah. So, so then as he enters into Jerusalem, he also enters into his passion, which is associated with his death, which is the Good Friday uh, thing. So in the church's understanding of getting ourselves involved in the events, we then um, have this Holy Week journey uh, through to Good Friday and then, of course, on to Easter. Mm. So, um, mm. so it's two services, two focus in one service, that of the entry and the blessing of the palms, that of the passion narrative, and the third, which sort of embodies all of that, is the Eucharist. Yeah. So this is obviously now coming after his little tour of, of greater kind of Judea, went back up to Galilee, came down again. Um, so he's a well-known entity by everybody. Uh, but there's an interesting thing here with um, that, that struck me when I was reading this, this gospel, which is according to Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to 40. I'm going to go from the beginning, which is after saying these things, Jesus headed straight up to Jerusalem, where he got near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olives. He sent off two of the disciples with these instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a cult tethered, one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says anything, if anyone says anything, ask, what are you doing? Say, his master needs him. So a little bit of context here, kind of like to my thinking, where Jesus hasn't particularly achieved anything yet, like his greatest victory, if you want to speak in militaristic terms, is still going to be over death. Um, if you believe that, so he's going towards that. So he hasn't had any kind of crowning achievement, but is now speaking of like being a master to this cult and having this whole procession of people just buying hosannas and palm leaves and all this thing. Is he deserving of all this at this point? And why is he allowing it to happen this way? Because clearly, surely he knows what must still happen. And he has an understanding of how the crowd will react. So like, what do you think from your training um, in theology is his kind of mindset? Is he outwardly trying to cause political? Is he trying to goad Rome into crucifying him? I think that ultimately um, there are two things that surface for me in response to your question. One is that his entry into Jerusalem at that particular time was a continuation of the journey that he started out at his incarnation, hmm. that he would come and at his baptism confirmed it as the son of God would be pleasing to God, would fulfill all that is righteous to bring about salvation for the world. 
the understanding is that God had made the world and the world had lost it uh, because of sin. And so God's mission of saving the world from sin, saving the world from its own destructiveness, uh, um, because God loves us. That's the, the gospel message. So Jesus continues uh, to be the obedient son who pleases God and who fulfills the task right up until the end, as hard as the journey may be and as hard as the journey may get. But his ministry was public. It was mission uh, to bring the gospel over every boundary, the good news of God's love, of God's kingdom, going back to the preachings that he made, uh, the call to repentance. Um, you know, he, he, was, he needed to let the people hear that message. Now, of course, uh, the gospel message as Jesus preached it was a very radical message. Mm. And for those who had no hope, they heard hope in it. Um, in that context, obviously, with the oppressions that the Jewish people had gone through, you had a sense of, this is our freedom. He's bringing about our freedom, and we will be restored as a people uh, that God covenanted with and that are the people of God and that he would get rid of all those who oppress us. So there was a natural persuasion of nationalistic uh, um, uh, hope for, for them. But his intentions, his understanding, his call was far bigger than that. Um, so there was therefore a sense of the obedience of, of Jesus to the Father and to what the Father had ultimately called him. And then there was the Messianic hope, the Messianic expectation that at some point God was going to send a Messianic figure to come and, 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 and save, redeem, liberate uh, the people of the covenant from all the oppressors that they have had to experience. And in Jesus, in, in just a momental breath, they thought it was him. They believed it was him. And so they praised him as that one. Blessed is the one who comes uh, the, in the name of the Lord. And they saw this as heaven's actions. All, all's well in heaven, glory to the, in the highest places. So they saw this as heaven's actions, God's actions. In, um, in intervening in their oppression uh, for their sake of, of freedom. So yes, there is no doubt the gospel, the gospel of Jesus has got ramifications, not just spiritually, but socially, politically, economically, uh, in whatever human beings find themselves in. But, you know, we've often just saw it as the salvation of humanity. But it was the, the salvation of all that God created, of, of, of all that God had made uh, and it made good. And that includes creation. And we just often face focus on, you know, I mean, here in this story, he uses a donkey. Here in this story, are trees on the side of the road cut off and used. All of creation is involved in this entry into Jerusalem. 
all of creation therefore is involved in the saving work of Jesus mm -hmm. uh, to bring about a, a world that is better than the one we as humans tend to create uh, where there is power and rank and oppression and, and, and poverty and all those things that would, um, uh, you know, def de defile um, what God has created. So those two things, his obedience to the righteous call of God to complete the work of salvation in his body, in his words, in his whole being, and the messianic expectation, which in a, just a glimpse they thought, ah, we've got our man, he's coming for us in this way. And he was, but not in the way that they thought it would be. <laughs> okay, no, I, I, I can drive with that. But then, like, just, just pushing a little bit further towards, like, the, the passion narrative, um, which is captured wonderfully in Luke 23, verses 1 to 49 um, for Passion Sunday. Um, now he's made this massive political statement, right? He's entered Jerusalem, like, there's a buzz around it, like, there was a couple hundred people who were focused on this dude, made a big show at the gate. I forget which gate exactly it was, uh, but it was the one that was foretold in the prophecies. Um, and now he's with Pilate. And after my boy Judas obviously played his role very well, um, <laughs> justice for Judas, hashtag justice for Judas. <laughs> uh, that's a conversation for another day. Um, so Pilate like begins his interrogation and he's like, are you the king of the Jews? Um, and Jesus is like, they are your words. And then Pilate is like, I can't see that he has broken any laws. You have got nothing on him that will stick. So we are supposed to believe that Pilate didn't notice the furore when he entered Jerusalem. Um, that Pilate has little to, like, Jesus was just a little blip in Pilate's kind of world. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't, can you see, it doesn't marry to each other. Like, the one story doesn't marry the other story. Yeah, I, I think the, 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 the Jews were a nuisance to Pilate because he thought it was a stepping stone. To something greater in the um, in the empire, you know, to be stifled with, um, you know, I mean, the, the system was set up in such a way that bringing this to his attention was something he tried to avoid, in my view, mm -hmm. because you had the little kings that he, what do we call them, and um, they, 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 they. They, you know, you've you've given uh, the, some of the Jews a little power to be, you know, looking yeah. after their own affairs. He didn't really want to be bothered with them. But today when, we call it um, ward councillors. That's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, it is that kind of thing. Uh, but I mean, in the in 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 the in the old apartheid, we had the the, the three tier system, yeah. where you know you first had coloured affairs and black affairs or whatever it was. Now now we have bicameral. Cameral, yeah. So, so you know, uh, the homeland would have been Mitchell's plane for all of us, and uh, Kailitsa would have been for all the black folk. So, so, so that mindset was, you know, Pilate, you rule there for a while, and we'll send you off somewhere better. 
So you set up a structure where you don't have to deal with nuisance stuff that the mm-hmm. Jews, their own business is. But isn't it interesting, uh, in some theological thinking, the scriptures tell of a, the scriptures tell of a story of the eventual clash between the kingdom or the, the other empire of, the, of creation, sorry, the kingdom of creation and the kingdom of the empire. And how um, we as humanity, although created with a sense of the kingdom of, the, of, the, of creation, we structured our lives around the kingdom of the empire. And so there's a whole book written about about that in theological terms, and it is part of the way some folk are reading scripture right from the from Genesis, even inclusive of books that are not normally included in the sixty six that we that we have. The apocrypha, even there, people have studied to see how this often plays itself out. So, wasn't it an inevitability that when Jesus could no longer be controlled by the local authority, when his message got more attention, when his miracles and works began to give people hope, there was a rising of a movement. A movement that would eventually seemingly threaten local authorities who now in order to have some sense of authenticity had to bring it to the ruling party. Because the fear, as we read through the passion narrative, the fear of of insurrection. Uh, unlike June 60, uh, January 6th in, in, in America 2020, um, this was 2021, this was an, uh, the fear of a political takeover. And so when local authorities lose their sense of, 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 of power and they've, mm-hmm. they've got nothing more to challenge the voices of rebellion against them. They must tell lies, first of all, <laughs> to get the attentions of the authorities. Yeah. <laughs> so they spread rumors, you know. Um, these are the ways that they can try and still what the mob is doing as they described it, but they can also still, they can also get on their side a greater force, which is yeah. in the ruling party. So, how do you stop the clash between who Jesus is and who Pilate represents? Well, it, it's still um, like Pilate eventually just yields to the people because because of the people. Like he never ever shows actual concern for the movement that Jesus is has created like it, it doesn't even register on him he's just like 
yo, these people are telling me these things and like, what, what's your vibe guy? <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you brought that up. Um, the story does have Pilot's wife playing a, a role in which her dreams about mm. Jesus, that worries her. The dreams are so dynamic yeah. that it concerns her that she talks to him. But look, in Pilate's mind, this is not a Roman, this isn't a Roman problem, this is a Jewish problem. Yes. So the Jews must deal with it. So why then is the question asked, is Pilate mentioned in the Christian creed? Um, why is he the only one whose name is mentioned in the Christian creed? It's a question that's valuable. Um, when you, as a, as a political leader, part of the way you rule dictatorially is to be indifferent mm. to people's voices, indifferent to people's movements, and indifferent to the cry for liberation. And so Pilate for me then becomes that representative of those leaders in the empire, which shows indifference as a way of controlling those that are your vassals, that are your slaves, um, whom you think you're treating okay, but you don't then hear their cry for a better life and for recognition. So when he encounters Jesus, the first thing on his lips is, is your movement a political one? Are mm. you the king of the Jews? Now, of course, he had appointed other people to be kings of the Jews. How come he asks the first thing um, about kingship? And then you can see how politicalized they made it. This bloke, and you would see I used a very um, a, a liberal <laughs> translation, which uh, some would criticize me for being that. They reeled off all sorts of charges. So what were the <laughs> charges? Charges that would get the attention of the Roman governor. This bloke has been stirring up trouble on a national scale. Of course, Pilate is now threatened. He tells people to stop paying their taxes, which was a lie. And if you stop paying taxes, that's an issue. SARS is after you. He's setting himself up as the Messiah, which obviously is not a term that was used in Pilate's worldview. Mm. But when he hears in opposition to the emperor, now, Pilate, you are set there by the emperor to protect the emperor, mm. to enrich the emperor. It's on you because it's a challenge on the emperor. So no wonder Pilate starts off. Is this rebellion led then by somebody who's claimed to be king of the Jews in opposition to those uh, puppets that I've put in place? Yeah. So yes, it was bringing those two together 
the kingdom of the of the empire and the kingdom of creation. And Pilate, of course, asked the most crucial questions. How then would Jesus, this is very crucial, the identity of Jesus. Yeah. Who really is Jesus? That's, that's what the Gospels are, 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 are grappling with. And that's what we con that's with whom we continue to grapple with. Who is Jesus really? There's a lot of there's a lot of things at play here because <laughs> I, I I like how you introduced the whole um, Pontius Pilate being named in the in the Nicene Creed thing. And for me, it's 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 one of those things of how like what's your legacy going to be? So obviously when Constantine like kind of facilitated the whole Nicaea um, conference thing and kind of codified Christianity. When he played his role in that, he he needed to differentiate Rome from crucifying Jesus. And I think I think our boy Pontius Pilate was thrown under the bus here. <laughs> he was unprepared. No, no doubt he was unprepared. Um, and now forever and ever, as long as Christianity exists, um, people will associate the, the crucifixion with Pontius Pilate, where he was just like a, a guy who just happened to be in charge at the time. The wrong guy at the right time yeah. or the right guy at the wrong time. And remembered for the wrong reasons. Hashtag justice yes. for Pontius Pilate. Uh, but well, then there's another... Well, is, it, is it interesting? Just quickly, is it interesting? Yeah. You know, I remember... Um, one of my psychologists uh, um, that I had been dealing with over the years, and we were talking about, I was, I was sharing from my point of view how, um, you know, as one who has to be in relation to somebody is over me, like a bishop, for example. Mm. And my bishop at that time, not the current one, the previous ones, how they understood me when I had... Um, said things when I'd ask things. The previous bishop uh, said uh, publicly, Rodney, why do you ask all the difficult questions? Mm. Um, and I, I didn't say this to him, but I, I said it to myself, why are you always hiding stuff from people? But I didn't say that out loudly. And I, one of the comments I made is that the bishop that we served then, that we served with then, is somebody that could not really take lightly to confrontation and 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 so he would distance himself from that this psychologist said something very interesting if you if you can't stand the heat in the kitchen then you need to get out mm. right um and so often people who are clad once recognition and not challenge yeah. and not conversation and dialogue well, how does the organization grow if it's all focused around you? That doesn't help the, the situation to grow. So, yeah, pilot, if you couldn't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Because you're in the position where these things would come your way. Yeah. That's really what I wanted to just add then. Yeah, but I, some... I think you, you, you took some license here when, when you were saying <laughs> that, that pilot was thinking when they mentioned that he was Galilean, um, or at least from Galilee, that he could pass the buck to Herod. Oh, absolutely. 
And then we'd have a completely different... Well, Herod is a bit tarnished as well. I think he's also been thrown under the bus by his um, <laughs> like future people who, who are in charge of writing the Bible. But it's, it's an interesting thing because I, like, I, I, I refer to my own career where I've been a victim of like structured kind of dismissals things, but I saw the writing on the wall and I got out early. And then there's always the question that remains. Like you get, un you get put under a lot of pressure where people are like, yeah, why don't you go to the CCMA, uh, you know, and take them to the cleaners and get a payout? And it's like, to go to the CCMA, I need to be terminated and then prove a wrongful termination and say that it was structured and stuff. So then for the rest of my career going forward, whenever I'm in an interview room and people ask about a certain termination or how I left the job, then I have to explain the whole thing about the CCMA hearing, whereas everybody already knows that you were fired from your job. You were terminated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why would you want to saddle yourself with that kind of baggage like going forward? Um, and it's an interesting situation that, that, that Pilot is in. But then there's another dynamic with where it's now obviously Passover and Pilot has the opportunity to pardon a prisoner. And he's like, I really want this to go Jesus's way. Um, let's bring out the dude that actually faces a threat or at least poses a threat because he murdered like Romans, um, Barabbas, who is also a kind of political freaking champion in his in his day, just a little bit more more active, a little bit more violent than Jesus was. Um, and then it 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 becomes this judgment call that you kind of have to make, where either you believe that Barabbas was a criminal, a murderer, you believe the Roman kind of rhetoric, the Roman PR that they put out about Barabbas, who was actually fighting to liberate the Jews from Rome. Um, or you say Jesus was crucified so that Barabbas could continue on his mission. Am I am I just going down like a weird alley here? No, look, I I certainly think that Jesus portrays a certain type of messianic figure hmm. that did not gel with the mind of the people, where they were thinking of nationalism, nationalistic liberation. Hmm. But Rabbis though he did these things, and we don't know whether he may even have been party to murdering mm -hmm. some of the Jews, certainly brings another type of messianic uh, figure to bring the liberation about, and that is the one that embodies a more violent approach to that. Mm -hmm. So in the story, there we have these two figures. Which one do you choose as the way that God would want the world to become a better place for want of sim simplifying this mm. um, which one do we choose uh, in our minds there was the desire in Pilate to release jesus because he did not find him to be violent aggressive and all of that kind of stuff but they were angry with jesus because jesus's message challenged the status quo in the way that it interpreted uh, the law and how he treated the people. 
And Jesus's view was salvation that that would bring life and not death. Um, that means that those in power are challenged because the authority that they had in their interpretations imprisoned people's minds and therefore their behaviors. A violent overthrow like one that Barabbas was um, sort of the picture boy too, um, they knew could easily be curbed by the Roman people because he was already caught and imprisoned by terrorism and murder. His actions would not gel well with the people. Um, I remembered when we were when we were locked up in '85 because we had marched and did not want to disperse as they wanted us to do, but instead prayed the Lord's Prayer without dispersing. They took us into prison in them, and and so there was somebody amongst us who was very wise and who had been very close to Steve Beagle. Hmm. He's a bishop now. Pardon me, he's, in, he's this general secretary of the South African Council of Churches. And, you know, those of us that were naive, we, we never knew all of this. We, we believed it was necessary, but we never knew the ins and the outs. We didn't even know the enemy, really, if I can put that in inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, you know, the enemy probably being the state mm-hmm. and its legislation around apartheid. So when we when we when we were put into section A, which was with long-term criminals, uh, murderers, and so forth, yeah. we were seen. And this guy's interpretation is it: you must realize you guys in this cell are far more powerful than the guy who was caught because he murdered, he robbed, he stole. If you win over these prisoners just with the words and the understanding you have of justice, you're going to make problems for these people in prison. And we almost did because when they tried to, 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 to that we must be stripped naked for searching before we went into court, into the courts, they we refused. They had to take us to a separate place because if if our because we weren't there for, for criminality, we stood yeah. up for justice. They knew they would have a problem on their hands because now the other prisoners will say, if you did it to them, you must do it to us. But remember, their point of departure sadly was criminality. Ours mm-hmm. was not. Ours was to get our leader out. Um, someone who was who was who had at that stage not relented to violent overtake, but who was far more with with conversation and consultation to get it. Though I'm not going to go into that debate because I know that's going to stir up Codeto with you and that. Maybe <laughs> conversation. So who do you choose? And then he looks to the people to make that decision. So before us stands both those figures. Which way do we choose? It's before us every day. In every context that we that we what's his name, we have a Barabbas who responds violently, and we have a Jesus who seeks to find the truth. 
and to live the truth and to be reconciliatory. Who do you choose? What will overcome this? What, what is more powerful to the status to overthrow the status quo is when you've won over the minds of the people. And of course, who stirred the crowds to reject and um, uh, the, the attempt to release Jesus yeah. was, the, was the people of the synagogue, the religious leaders of the day. They stirred the crowd because Barabbas was less of a threat to them than Jesus was. Yeah. So in a way, they politicized this, didn't they? But it was all politics. It was all politics. From that's why I, I started the conversation off with uh, the question about the, the symbolism, the knowledge that Jesus had had to have had of what riding in with that procession would be, because up until that point he moved a lot more covertly. I mean, uh, there was obviously the the key change at at the sermon on the mount on the plain, <laughs> on the mount, <laughs> With, yeah, on the mount, um, where where he started to feel his 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 influence and started to lean into that, and then obviously it was the the murder of of John the Baptist, or at least the death of John the Baptist, that kind of pushed him over that kind of I call it the empathetic edge, um, where you stop, where you start acting a little bit more recklessly where you're not yeah where, where, you, where you push the agenda more aggressively um and it really accelerated his 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 use of power his shows of power which then culminates with this entry into jerusalem and then there's that pure political play that played out at his trial under pontius pilate but this is where I disagree with you. Mm -hmm. He doesn't use the main stage to get people to hear what he's saying. He goes and wins them on the dusty streets, mm -hmm. encounters them in different ways, listens to them, sits at a well with them in a foreign place, and wins them over with the story that he is and the story that he tells and also with the, or the work of, of, of healings that he exercised as he journeyed from the Sea of Galilee where his ministry starts up. It is when he gets to that main stage and that encounter with Pontius Pilate that he's placed there not um, as it were because he himself said, yeah, arrest me. He was brought there by others to be on that stage, now accused not of the gospel that he sought to live and preach, but they politicized who he was because that was the only way Pilate would be able to respond with what their intention was. was I like the way this guy puts this, you know, we, we have another translation that's very much more gentle, but rid the earth of this man. <laughs> I mean, now, 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 this was the crowd went berserk shouting together, rid the earth of this man. I mean, they, they must have, 
and free Barabbas for us. So what did Jesus display on that stage, the final stage, uh, when he encounters um, the wrath of the people, but also the, 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 the people with political and 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 um, with with political power as well as with military power, uh, who is now confronted. And again, the question is who he really is. And after um, much is said, he goes. He, he all he does is listen to accusations and never really defends himself. But remember, he was playing a role at this point. Like everything had to happen the way it happened. Yeah, but playing a role and being the role is two different things. Yeah. Yeah, but he... Uh... He was being the role for me. Yes. Yes. I, I can relate to that. Yes. Yes, I, I, can, I, can, un I can understand that. that way of putting it. And I think that's a great way to close this conversation before Holy Week um, and the intensity of the passion narrative that is still to come. Um, thank you very, very much for this conversation. Thank you very much for returning in good spirits um, for your fortitude uh, to pull through this kind of thing. I always say, like, recovery is kind of 70% wall. Um, and 30% actual, like, <laughs> physics. <laughs> can, can I just, in conclusion, read to you a quote that I was quite fascinated by um, when I went to look under quotes for certain things? And if I have your permission to do mm -hmm. so, in, as, mm -hmm. as my conclusion to this, uh, as I thank you also for getting me back onto this and hopefully opens up a channel of communication with people. It's, it's, uh, I've never heard of this author, Nadia Blotz-Weber, and she writes a book called The Cranky, Beautiful Faith of a Sinner Saint. She said, God's grace is not defined as God being forgiving to us, even though we sin. Grace is when God is a source of wholeness which makes up for my failings. My failings hurt me and others and even the planet. And God's grace to me is that my brokenness is not the final word. It is what God makes beautiful. It is that God makes beautiful things out of even my own S-H-I-T, she writes. I'm not going to mention the word. Grace isn't about God creating humans and flawed beings and then acting all hurt when we inevitably fail and then stepping in like the hero to grant us grace, like saying, oh, it's okay, I'll be the good guy and forgive you. Mm. It's God saying, I love the world too much to let your sin define you and be the final word. I am a God. Who makes all things new. I was just so moved by that mm. way of expression and I thought I dare risk asking your permission to to put that in as a as the uh, concluding word for today. Oh, that side. was wonderful. That was absolutely wonderful. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, the choice uh, pieces or sections of the readings are in the podcast description along with the collect. 
and some of the prayers, the blessings, and the conclusion. Thank you very much. We'll chat again next week.